The Sarcasm Remains podcast with Fuzzy B. Charleston's favorite podcast should be yours too. Go to www.thesarcasmremains.com for more info. Hey man, it's about that time. Turn the sarcasm up. Let's go. Well, sometimes. Welcome to The Sarcasm Remains with Fousey B. This is a Blue Still Promotions podcast. Be sure to check out the website, bluestillproductions.com. They are the leaders in doing bar crawls and events in the Charleston area. Again, I'm Fousey B, and I have a very, very, very special guest. She goes by the name of Michelle Person. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm happy and healthy. Uh, Let's do a mental health check. Where are you mentally? Oh, I'm like on a scale of one to 10. I'm on 11, dude. I'm, I'm living my best life right now. I, I love that. I love the energy. I love, I, so we do mental health checks here. And sometimes I get some people that are like, oh, I'm not doing very well. And then, you know, I'll spend most of that time and trying to get them right in the right mind frame. Uh, just because I'm a very big advocate of uh, mental health or mental health awareness, I should say. Michelle, tell me your story. Tell me and my people who listen and follow me. Shout out to the First time listeners, the last time listeners, I hope you stub your toe. People who stumbled across us on Anchor or YouTube or Apple or anywhere you listen to podcasts. But tell us your story, Michelle. So my story, the Cliff Note version, is I'm an educator who fell into educator by accident um, while um, I was supposed to be making it big as a um, Hollywood actress. And so um I started teaching a couple years ago. I'm not going to say how many. I went from being a classroom teacher to being a classroom administrator to transitioning right now to being a consultant, an educational consultant, where I go in and I do um, workshops and programming for families um, all around literacy, active learning experiences, entrepreneurship and uh, critical thinking skills, as well as professional development for teachers um, and things of that nature. So I've been doing this for a long time. To cliff note, your cliff note versions, you're an author, a podcaster, an educator, a principal, a parent, right? You have children. I do. I do. Um, a woman of color. So people mm-hmm. can't hear your color. And you're from Maple Heights, Ohio. I am. Maple Heights, Ohio is a suburb of Cleveland. I don't really claim the maple so much as I claim the Cleveland. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say the Heights. It's like, I don't claim the maple. I claim the Heights. But uh, <laughs> well, sh- shout out to Cleveland. Um, for some reason, in South Carolina, specifically Charleston, they really don't like you guys from Ohio. Yeah, and I don't know why that weird. is. It's, you know, and they're like, no, they're all moving here. And then I'm like, well, I'm from Jersey. <laughs> when, I, when I look at the, the stats of who moves here, it goes New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio. But for some reason, they target Ohio. So I don't know. I mean, they, they just be hating. Um, I, I spent some time. And that's where I did my first teaching job. My first four years, I was in Newark. Oh, Newark, New Jersey. That's yeah. Brick City. I used to 
work at a not work. I used to record at a studio there on Bloomfield Avenue. I'm from Paseca, which is right down the street from North. Yes, yeah, I know. There, I was actually just on Bloomfield Avenue three weeks ago. I was back in the city visiting some friends. There you go. And uh, as far as South Carolina, they their education system in the best. I don't know. You know, they need more of you here. Yeah, I have a friend who actually moved down there and he would say that all the time. But, you know, the, the system, it was horrible. So I I, I I agree with you 100%. Gotcha. I mean, I love the people here, but, you know, I, I got a daughter who's going to be coming back to go to school here. So now I pay more attention to what's going on. But moving on to you or back to you, I should say, um, what do you wish you would have known before you started being an educator? That is a loaded question. Or one of the things you wish you would have known. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, one thing I would have wished I had known, um, that education really is multifaceted. And what I mean by that is education is not just what happens in the classroom from eight to three, right? Education is the culmination of a lot of different life experiences, situations, circumstances, institutional, instructional, and systematic racism, um, finances, capitalism. Education is where all of those intersections meet. And so 20-year-old me graduated thinking I was going to change the world. I joined Teach for America and I was going to uh, make my impact. And I was going to graduate from? Uh, where I graduated from Skidmore College. So I graduated from Skidmore oh. College in 2000. Um, it's a small little school in upstate New York, um, uh, right outside, about 45 minutes outside of Albany. And, um, you know, graduated from there and thought that um, I was going to change the world um, because I was going to go in and I was going to be this amazing teacher and the kids were going to learn. And it was going to be great. And then I was going to like go on to other things and talk finally about my experience in education. And it was going to be awesome. And not that my experiences in education have not been awesome, but it was very, very naive. If I could talk to that 21-year-old who graduated in 2000, I would definitely be like, yo, you have no idea what you're in for. Um, you know, it's so much more than what you think being, what education is. Education is very, very complicated. Right. And it's almost, it, no, not almost. It literally is every part of your life because the more you learn, the more you grow and everyone should keep learning, in my opinion. Um Oh, some background on me, by the way, is my mom was a teacher for 33 years, 32. Praise to her, because I could um, not do it for 33 years, that's for sure. And, and she actually, uh, they, they did a revamp, and she was like a really good teacher, and of course, everybody says that, but like, when I was a kid, everybody would say my mother was mean, like a mean teacher. As an adult, everyone would say, yo, your mom was like the best teacher we had, like, you know, as a combination with the other teachers, and you know, she was a, a pro teacher teacher, she would she joined the union. I think she was vice president or something. I'm not familiar. I don't remember what mm -hmm. she was, but she's one of those that was, you know, trying to fix the system from within. Yeah, um, I did that for a long time. And, and finally, this actually this last year, I decided I had to step out. Like the further you go in the system, you keep thinking you're going to be able to affect some real change and you realize you really can't. So I'm at the point now where um, I wanted to affect some real change. So I realized I needed to step out of the system. Right. And she she retired. So I think they gave her um, um Again, I was younger. I don't know her old business, but I think they offered her like 85% of her pension or 90% of her pension. And she took it. She said, yeah. You know, then she moved to Jacksonville and started volunteering. And I'm like, you're retired. Stop. You know, but she's volunteering with teaching and reading to the kids and whatnot. You know, she loved babies. Um, tell me about a moment when you failed in teaching and how you got over it or in your professional career past teaching, like you know, as a consultant or just a moment when, because we often tend to celebrate our successes 
And I'm really strong on you have to celebrate some of your failures too, because your failures get you there faster. So a moment that I can say that um, that I count as a failure um, was um, a student, my actually my very first year teaching, I had a young man um, and he had a very known troublesome um, uh, home life. And um, I tried to reach, I mean, again, naive 21 year old me, um, you know, I tried to read, couldn't read a stop sign. Let, let's put that, I taught fourth grade, this boy couldn't read, could barely write his own name, couldn't read a stop mm-hmm. sign. Um, and so um, I, I try, I tried at first, I tried at first to reach out to him and, you know, try to try to try to help him as best I could. Um, but he was also a behavior problem. And and so what the, the long and short of that story is there came a point where he actually kind of stopped coming to school. Um, and there are channels that, you know, a teacher is supposed to go through to advocate, to to let people know, hey, this kid. Um, stop coming to school or, you like know, tr- send truancy officers. Out. Did y'all have yeah, Well, they, they, back in 2000, that idea was just coming into, you know, that, that idea was like, like there hadn't been some of the, the headlines. Um, you know, I know in Cleveland a couple years ago, a young lady went missing and the, the reason, and, and she had found, they found her, she unfortunately was murdered. Um, mm. But part of the problem was her mother didn't even know she was missing because the school didn't call to tell her that she wasn't in school. Um, And so by the time they realized she was missing, they had lost valuable um, planning time. And so now in Ohio specifically, there's a law called Anaya's Law where you have to, it's a mandate, you have to let a parent know um, within, within, I think it's like two hours um, of of the school start time of whether or not, you know, your kid, the kids that are supposed to be there are there. So, and I'm sure there are many similar laws, unfortunately brought on by many similar situations in other states. At the time that I was beginning to teach, that was not yet the case. And so um, I definitely, when this young man started not showing up and slipping through the cracks, um, I mean, my failure as a teacher is I let him because he was caught, he was a disruption to my class. And I was first year teaching, didn't know how to, to, to handle it. And rather than advocate, I chose to focus on the students that were in front of me um and um which you is know, understandable just, like I, I i get that like, especially as a first year teacher you yeah you, you want to minimize you don't want to hurt the other children learning by trying to focus on this one kid and he's disrupting the class i can kind of see where you would do with that yeah but i do i mean look but like the other part of that is i mean i've been t- i taught for a very long time and i have people come up to me and find me on facebook all the time and saying this person oh my god you were my favorite teacher exactly the same thing that you know when you were you were so mean but it was great like i look back now and i realized you were awesome and blah 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 and and so i and i unfortunately know that i'll pro- i don't know i i would love to know what happened to that particular student um you know I, because I that mean, that kind of want to though you you hit that Google or that Facebook search and then you see some negative things and you, you know, you might throw it on yourself and be like, oh, I really failed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, that unfortunately, that's the, uh, the the joys of social media these days is you can find people that you haven't seen in a long time. But then when you find out things happen, it's not the same. Um, and you said he had a behavior issue. Let's talk about that real quick. What What are some of the craziest things you dealt with as a teacher where you had kids who just don't want to listen they don't care um obviously oh, not well, see, you, i can't i don't <laughs> have that many because the, the the reality is like and, and i and i and i say this and i'm not i i am not being cocky and i am not lying i swear they mess up i, I didn't have those types of issues in my class like miss person was crazy and they knew it 
Um, you know, I, I definitely, I, I, I could match your crazy. And so you, you were either going to sit down and be quiet. And I really, I can, I say that, and I didn't have to kick a lot of kids out either. Um, I, I definitely, you know, so a lot of the stories that I have in terms of craziness usually was me watching colleagues who didn't have as strong of a classroom management relationship with their students. I mean, I've been thrown up on. Like that was one of my. I was like, oh my god, I, that was so disgusting. I've had the you know a little Did you girl teaching you know, children. Yeah, yeah, man. It was a year. I taught first grade one year, and I said never again. Um, she definitely threw up on me. Um, you know, it was one of my. It was one of my children who actually was also a challenge. And one day she was just so she was so quiet. And I said, you know, I said, baby, I said, what's wrong? I was like, you feel it? She's like, I was like, she's like, I don't feel good in this person. I said, okay, well, just sit here and do your work. And I was coming over, I was going around and she was doing her, everybody was doing their work. And I made the mistake and I bent down, she's first grade. So I bent down and I'm leaning in and I'm like, you know, I said, baby, I said, um, I said, uh, I said, your paper's not done. Look at number. That's as far as I got. like she vomited on me she vomited on the girl next to her and we we all went home it was disgusting Um, all of that that accessories that you didn't need so (laughs) all right what um what uh resources do you recommend for people that have children that may be that may have behavioral issues like what we let me let me rephrase this so teachers can't do it all right like Mm-hmm. respect for you respect to my mom she did it um and i was just thinking i was uh, as you were talking i was trying to think of a time where someone actually came up and said that they that my mom was a bad teacher and never i never got that i mean they might have been scared of me at the time but you know even <laughs> so like you have never hear that about her um and it sounds like you kind of do that with your kids too because sometimes you just need discipline right to match that energy they, they don't have discipline at home and so they come they try to show out at school when you establish that repertoire while letting them know hey I, I can get crazy too. You're not going to run me over. Like you may do at home, but for those parents who are trying, they're struggling with their kids. And obviously each situation is different, but it all generally will boil you down to the same denominator. You know, it's, they need help and they either won't admit it or they can't facilitate or they can't find it. What resources would you recommend for people who have behavior issues or who children have behavioral issues and what should they do outside of praying and hoping that the teacher and the school system will do better yeah so definitely 100 percent. we're gonna we're gonna god wants us to be active in our prayers so we want to in addition to praying let's let's add let's add some action into that um i would say that most schools at this point um even even suburban schools but i know most all urban schools have um usually on-site counselors um that are that they might not work technically for the school district, but they are usually contracted by the school district to provide services to children. Um, And I know for a lot of our people, um, our our black and brown families, they tend to not want to accept that help for many reasons. I know my brown families don't want that help sometimes because they don't, they they live in fear. They might not, everybody in the house might not be documented. So they Mm -hmm. don't want to put themselves out there like that. I know my black families, just the, the whole culture of we don't tell nobody what's going on in our house. It stays in our house. Mm. Um, you want to help your baby. My, my, my number one um, uh, tip is seek out that individual who is contracted with your school or works at your school for counseling therapy services, um, because um, it, it, it will help, um, you know, uh, having an, a person whose goal is prime. The, the teacher's goal is to direct instruction. Like, you know, if I'm in the classroom, my goal 
Um, I have to be aware of behaviors. I have to try some things. But the ultimate goal of the teacher is to deliver instruction, right? So anything that, that, that detracts from that is a problem and also a little bit out of my wheelhouse. At this point, it's not for me, but it's a typical teacher. It's a little bit out of there where that is not what they went to school for, right? So you want to seek out someone whose expertise is that whatever that issue might be. So to, to not only support you, to support the teacher in the classroom so we can create a more successful experience for your child. So the first tip I definitely have is seek out the counselor or the therapist or the school guidance counselor who uh, is on payroll and or, um, you know, works for the district um, or in the building at your school. That's my first tip. My second tip is if your school does not have that, guarantee you the secretary or the principal has a Rolodex, if even Rolodex still exists, where they can give you a (laughs) referral form. Right. Yeah. They can give you a referral form to find that person. And usually it is a person who will generally accept all types of insurance. It usually is a person that, you know, it has a, will accept, um, you know, all types of issues because it's a catch-all. So if you don't have that person on site, go and ask for a referral and they will give you, I'm sure at least one name, but probably three um, that you can go reach out to and follow up. Um, you know, so that that's those are my my two my top two that I that I say um, all the time, accept the help and seek it out. And honestly, the, the, the school system might pay for something like that, because that is part of the child's education. If they're having problems and it's a child, it's if it's affecting the public or the rest of the classroom, it might be something that there's a program. For yes. If they, and, that, that, well, that, and that is why, like, if you, if you go to the, um, if you use it, if you use the school services and it's, you know, and you get the referral through the school and, you know, yes, it, it is, it can be part included in part. It's not, there's usually no extra costs, no right. extra costs out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I do advocate, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the therapy or talking to somebody. Um, I advocate here all the time. And again, usually it's, you know, I'm more lighthearted. It's still, it's lighthearted, but you know, I say, whenever I'm talking about relationships, I always will say, you need therapy, right? That's my, that's my go-to to everything when I deal with crazy. But in reality, I do mention that everyone needs therapy or at least needs to talk to someone. Um, I'm also in a position where I'm not a therapist, but people like talking to me. So I always advocate, you know, like you can go pay somebody to listen to this, <laughs> like, that, you know, have, that has a little bit more experience, but I'm cool with it. And yeah, it's, uh, we, we are scared people of color, uh, brown and the black or brown and the brown, depending on how you view it. But we, we don't want people coming into our house. We don't want people knowing our business. Um, that opens up a whole other chapter of why we kind of forgive abuse and things of that sort. But we're going to go back to education. To what? We're going to take a break right now, and we will be back. This is The Sarcasm Remains. I'm Fozzie B. I'm here with Michelle Parson. Person. I'm going to get it right. It's one person. I'm going to make it plural. But, right, but we'll be back after this break.
Are you looking for a show that discusses all things pro football and pro wrestling? Well, look no further than Tap Outs and Touchdowns. Bully Rye and his guests go in-depth into the world of professional wrestling, and along with show correspondent PJ Steven, review pay-per-view specials from wrestling companies all over the world. Bully Rye also gives his best fantasy football advice throughout the NFL season, so you can get that edge to finally finish better than third in your fantasy football league. Follow the show on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs, or look for him on Facebook at Tapouts and Touchdowns, and be sure to check out the show. Now available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, or simply wherever you get your podcasts. That's Tapouts and Touchdowns, presented by Anchor Podcasts. I don't know which one to pick My feelings for them both are getting thick Now am I wrong? Cause I don't wanna lose none of them Am I confused? Cause I don't wanna choose one of them It's no doubt I think about my honeys every day That's no question, show my honeys love in every way Welcome back to the Sarcasm Remains. I am Fousey B. I got Michelle Person with me. Uh, again, she's an author, educator, podcaster, consultant, parent, a woman of color making moves, an Ohio person. I just like saying that last one for my Charleston people. Just like me podcast, which I listened to a couple of episodes. It's pretty, pretty dope. Uh, so listen, Michelle. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what is the status of education in America right now? And what can we do to improve it? If you believe that we need some improvement, I think we do. What is the status? The status is broken. It's broken. It's dead. It's crumpled up on the floor. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's on life support. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. What can we do to improve it? There are a lot of things we could try. But like we talked about earlier, I, I'm at the... I, I mean, I honestly think it has to one hundred percent become become be be re re overhauled is the word Man, I was looking overhauled. for. Overhauled, gotcha. Completely overhauled. Um, I mean, because the, the the system itself, it's hard to fix a system that was built on an equity to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to. There, there, there's a couple of things. There's there's the the first issue is the education system. You have to understand what it was initially intended for. The, the original purpose of the education system, and this is not necessarily even black, white, brown, purple. It was not intended to create Fortune 500 company owners. It was to create factory workers and, and an agricultural force who could go out, read basic instructions and hold a basic job. And at that time, those basic features would give you a basic life and you would be able to provide for your family. And, you know, you were never it was never intended for the public education system hmm. to allow you to elevate yourself to the next level in society. That's not what the, the schools were for. Not in America. They, you know, that wasn't our society when free public education began, right? So, um, you know, if you look even at when we were in school, we were in school during the winter months because that's when the crops were growing in the summer, we needed the children in the fields to go harvest the the the, the, uh, the corn and the wheat. So everybody was out because that's what the that's what the plan was. The plan was teach you how to read so you could sustain your farm and and not be completely illiterate. But that was as far that was that was the station to which you were supposed is, to go in life. Is that's that why summer vacation is three months? I never even realized that. Yeah, 
that's what that the, the yeah the um that's what that's what school was supposed to be during the the off season you know what i mean it wasn't supposed to be now i mean there are realistic reasons in certain spaces like yo it's hot like who wants to be in school when is that dog on <laughs> hot but no originally it was that's when that's when you would harvest so you can't be in school during harvest um so there's that then so that's just from a functional society in general then when schools were when they did decide to even make the schools the way they decided to fund the schools um, was through property taxes. Well, if you're in a community where you were not permitted to buy homes and could not build wealth, and you know there were and there are there's a very low tax rate, what that means for your schools are you don't have as much money to fund your schools oh, as as, school, as a school district around the corner does because they have a higher tax base. So, how do you improve something? Um, when you don't have, when there's, there's no money. So like you're, you know, you need, like, we all know, we all know what a good school consists of access to great technology, up-to-date books, um, up-to-date heating and cooling systems, well-paid teachers, well-paid teachers. (laughs) All of those things are, are, are very important to making sure that you get a quality education, but because of the way public schools are funded, not everybody has access to those very basic things. So in order to overhaul it, I would say that the entire way in which we fund all public education from the Beverly Hills 90210 down to um, the, the, the slums and the, the huge in the brick city, you know, from there, from the, from, the, from the top to the bottom, we have to change how we fund education and fund education equally then we could maybe start to see some real progress. I mean, some real progress. But the problem with that is no one is going to be okay with changing how we fund education. Um, so that's why for me- like envelopes uh, being passed around by politicians. Yeah, that's why for me, I'm all about breaking down the system from the creating a new system from the outside, fixing the system that we have. And we haven't even talked about the idea that, you know, what we teach in the school. Because again, <laughs> what we teach was for a whole different reason for a whole different generation. The things that we teach, we don't need to teach anymore. So, you know, yeah. So there's just, there's a lot. I think it's broken beyond repair. And that's why I advocate wholeheartedly for, you know, building a new system. I I totally agree with you on that, uh, which is why I set that question up like that. But, and something you said made me think of something else, which is, uh, are, are you familiar with critical race theory? Of course I am. Yeah, I, I knew you were, but I had to ask. Um, without getting too deep, because I don't want to get political here. I mean, we can. I don't care. Uh, it's my show. But, you know, just <laughs> and like 10 people just turned it off right now. No. Uh, do you believe that we should teach critical race theory? I mean, I absolutely I, I went to public school and I, and I went to Catholic school growing up. I went to both. And I feel like my teachers in Forsake, they kind of taught that without without it being called that because they you know a lot of them were they came from urban environments and they got better went to school and they you know they kind of said this is why this is but they weren't trying to make it out like oh the white man is bad kill him you know just they were promoting history you know without degrading people and it's almost you know again i'm in the heart of the south i'm in charleston south carolina where I've, i've watched them protest to not take down statues of uh the confederate people like the like mm-hmm. the confederate idiots but the confederate people and so like <clears throat> they're scared of losing their history that they don't want to claim but do you think that that should be taught like in school in education 
I mean, that my one of my curriculums is called Meanwhile in Africa. And the whole purpose of the reason why I created the curriculum uh, is to give a more factual representative uh, view of history. Um, and the crazy part about it is they they we already don't teach so much of it. Right. right. So we already there's already so much of it that we don't teach. Um, you know, I didn't learn about the Tulsa race riots until I was in college. Actually, I, I feel like I didn't learn about the Tulsa race riots until after college and I Googled it, um, you know, after having a conversation. So like that's history that happened. There were reasons why it happened. It, it happened in America. We bombed our, our country, bombed their own private citizens. Black that happened. It also happened in uh, Pennsylvania, too. Yep. You know, yeah. you don't. And so that's not that's not to teach that. And to teach the reasons why that happened is and the 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 and what led up to it and the causes that's history. Um, that's not you know teach. We're not teaching racist ideology. We're teaching that here are the policies that existed. Here's what the here's how that one policy got interpreted by an entire community, and here's how that interpretation ruined an entire town. Right? right. You know, or you know, so that that's in a, in a culture too because it. it it's still it got passed on. The negativity of it gets passed on, and they wonder Correct. why certain people don't trust certain entities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely, I believe that it should be taught, and that's by and and even more so, I think it should be expanded upon. Which is again why, meanwhile, in Africa, it cr- was created because in addition, like even even with what we are already taught, before people start chipping away at it, it's not the whole story. So meanwhile, in Africa, is trying an effort to tell more of the story. Um, his, and do it historically accurately, historically in, in a historically accurate fashion. Facts. Shout out to the teachers, by the way. I, I never gave y'all a shout out. Uh, you know, I love all y'all. Got a lot of friends that are teachers. Um, moving on from critical race theory, which can we ever really move on from that? But uh, should we teach taxes in school? And what grade? Definitely. My my. Now they have. So now that is something that they just started. My daughter is actually a junior. Well, she's a, she's a junior, but she's taking classes because uh, for her senior year. And they did. I, I know in the state of Ohio, they did add a this is half high school? Hmm? high school, high school. Yes. OK, uh, a half credit in order for her to graduate high school. She has to take a half a half a semester of financial literacy. Um, she's taking it as a junior, although most people take it as a senior. Um, and it's basically teaching her how to balance a checkbook, how to do, a, you know, not, you know, how to, what it means to save, how to, you know, you know, now what I will say is I was impressed with, um, she just started, got working her, her first, her very first job and, yeah, you know, her, her, yeah, like, I was really, I'm really impressed with what she's been do, doing and, but, you know, she has a, I have a, she has a custodial account. So I, she has an account in her own debit card, but I can see it. So she gotten paid and I saw like this large sum of money get transferred <laughs> and, you know, I believe in, um, I believe in, Hey, it's her money. She's worked hard for it. They're working this poor baby, like a Hebrew slave. Cause they don't have any staff. So they do not care that she has school. They're like, Hey, can you work a double? It's so, a you know, she has earned this money. So I'm like, Hey, do with it what you want to like, I'll take care. But so I asked her though, I said, I just saw you transfer, you know, like $80. What, what did you buy? And she was like, Oh, well, in my personal finance class, they said you could just take 20% of your, um, your, your money every month, every time you get paid and you should put it in a savings account. So mm. I put it in the account that auntie started for me and blah, 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 blah. I was like, Oh, okay. here. So, and, and that was from a class that she learned in school, not from me, you know, I mean, so I, I think that we definitely should, they, they listen, 
you know, that's the thing about kids. Like they are sponges and they will listen and they will absorb. And luckily I'm glad she got this at her junior year. So, you know, and not her, cause she shouldn't have, she normally wouldn't have taken it to her senior year. Um, so I think we should probably as early as ninth grade, I would say, um, you know, cause a lot of our kids are going to be going right into the workforce and working in trades. And I mean, those are important skills. So yes, it should be taught. And I would say it should start at, at minimum, you know, ninth, ninth, 10th grade. No, I'm all for that because I think that uh, in ninth grade or 10th grade, you know, like that's where you're still molding those mind, those young minds to become adults, right? Like that's what's going to stick. You know, we mm-hmm. we go through the age where we learn our ABCs and then we learn how to write in cursive, which they don't do anymore for most schools. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you learn how you timetables and you count. But then from there, I, I would say from like fourth grade on, you're, you're not learning so much as you're, you're dealing with the, how can I put this? you're learning how to use what you've learned already or you're right. learning you apply your application. application. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're learning to do that. And then when you get to high school, it's a whole new world. And I think that, you know, before you get to college, you definitely should do something like learn taxes and ninth and 10th grade is a good time for definitely. it. Um, last part of this segment, I want to ask you, we asked you what should be taught today. Um, so what shouldn't be taught today in school? Cause you, you mentioned, that, you know, we're kind of technology is coming with us. We're passing on some things that they had us learning that doesn't apply to the modern day. Um, so what shouldn't be taught today that's being taught? I mean, I, that's a that's a hard there's so much just and, and then this this will make people angry and mad. And, you know, everybody has an get them, yeah, get them angry. Yeah, right. Everybody has. An argument, but I, I, I personally <laughs> I personally don't understand the point of math after about sixth grade. There is not one thing I ever learned in a math class after sixth grade that I use in my career today. And I make good money. Right. So a lot of people that I know that are like math majors, they go on to be math teachers. (laughs) (laughs) So they're, they're grooming them to be the people that teach. But I agree. I mean, outside of like your your tax classes or your accounting classes so i went to school hospitality management and i had to learn accountant mm-hmm. then i had to turn around and learn hospitality accountant which mm-hmm. the balance books are basically reverse and so that kind of messed me up and i hated it it was like oh i'm not doing this um but you're straight up my so you're talking about like algebra things like that yeah i've never i've never calculated the hypotenuse of a triangle <laughs> I don't remember anything from geometry, like proofs and theorems. I couldn't, and, and it just, I can't, I know A squared plus B squared equals C squared. I can't, I just, the, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Like I, I really care. think that what we should start doing, we really should start doing is interest serving, interest surveying our children around ninth or 10th grade to see what it is that they really are interested in. And then, like you said, like, so if you want to, like, if you know, that you're interested in, in hospitality management, instead of me teaching you trigonometry, why don't I teach you how to look at a spreadsheet and do the, the ins and the outs of, of you know, balancing your, your books that way, or, or teach you how to do your, your quick books and you know, balancing your budget. Like that is far more useful to a hotel mm-hmm. manager than knowing what cosine, tangent, and whatever that other <laughs> one is. Like, I, I don't, why do you need those in your life? 
Um, and if you are deciding that you want to grow up and be an engineer or, you know, uh, um, you know, something like that, by all means, take calculus. Um, yeah, you know, like I taught, I literally, like I, I tortured myself my senior year and took pre-calculus and literally taught, you heard me, I taught first grade. Mm. What, what did I do with that? What did I do with that calculus? Like, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, you do calculus to those kids, they'll just be drawn with the triangle and making their own shapes and whatnot. No, and my kids, they'll be poking each other with the triangle, but you know, same point. <laughs> they wouldn't be using the they wouldn't be using it appropriately, appropriately, that's for sure. Use it as a shank. All right. So <laughs> let's uh, I'm gonna take this down, let's pay some bills real quick. Uh, we will be back. This is the sarcasm remains. Make sure you visit the sarcasmremains.com. Make sure you visit Michelle on how to get to your podcast. Uh, just like me presents.com. You have our, all of our products and our podcasts on that page. Just like me presents.com. Just like me presents.com. We'll say that again. Uh, but let's get out of here. Let's get some music and some breaks. First I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to get along. And so you're back. Drunk Animals, the World Ear Pulling Championship, Extra Nipples. Do any of these things sound like things you see every day? I don't think so. Hi, I'm Chris Taliaferro, and I've got a podcast called Things You Don't See Every Day with Chris Taliaferro. We cover some fascinating and bizarre things. I'd love for you to join us. Check it out. Come to anchor.fm forward slash things you don't see podcast and give us a listen. Here we go. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, where laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're gonna make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dash. They did the job, money came with ease, but one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease. He robbed another Stick and another, and a sister and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DT undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic, he said, keep still, boy. Welcome no back to the Sarcasm Remains. This is Hoosie B. I have educator, consultant, podcaster, all-around great person, parent, and all-around, you know, she cool, Michelle person. All around great person. Y'all see that? I did? Y'all, y'all got me. Anyway, oh, Michelle, thank you. what advice would you give to someone trying to pursue a career similar to yours? To let's see, let's see, let's see. What I would say is do lots of research. Um, let, let me take that back. Not do lots of research. Um, I would never tell anybody who wanted to be an educator not to be an educator. But what I will tell you is the preparation programs in this country for educators do not adequately prepare you for what you get when you walk into a classroom. So what I would say, hmm? I said art of paycheck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what I would say definitely is 
do some really do some be ready to do some supplemental learning. So you're you, I, a lot of teachers. What I find is that teachers go through their teaching programs thinking that their teaching programs are preparing them to adequately be in front of a classroom and teach children. And I am amazed every year when I get a new teacher at how much money they spent to get that degree and how much they still do not know. So I would say while you are um, while you are um, doing your teaching program to get certified, 100 percent keep up with your studies and do whatever you can. But I would definitely say you need to, whenever possible, find opportunities to interact with kids, be it at day camp, be it as a tutor, be it as a volunteer, um, because there are things that you will not realize that are important until um, until after you um, get into the classroom and then seek out extra educational opportunities. Go to watch webinars, go to podcasts on um, classroom management, on um, how to write a lesson plan, on building relationships with parents, on increasing cultural diversity in the classroom. Those are all things you will be thrown into the minute you step out of, you know, step into your classroom. Yet, I don't think there are any classes in your educational program that teach you those things. And how crazy is that? that you can go through an entire education program and never have a class on some of those very important things. So, um, you know, do their supplemental research and seek out opportunities to work one-on-one with kids to make sure that it's for you and to get you some practice. Right. There's no better teacher of life than experience, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Um, all right. What, uh, what's a myth about the education industry that you'd like to debunk? so many um let's see um (laughs) do we have time for all of them so a myth a 100 a myth is that um well teachers get summers off teachers that the the, uh, teachers only work six hours a day i don't know a teacher that only works six hours a day right like you're you have to understand that the average teacher the instructional part of our day is six hours but the planning that goes into creating lessons and activities and uh, memorable experiences for your children. We work on average, I, I would challenge, I would put our schedules up against any Fortune 500 corporate America person. Um, and we could probably run circles around you, right? So we, we work 50 hour, 50, 60 hour works weeks, just like you guys do. Um, and when you factor that into what we get paid, it's, it's absolutely, it's atrocious, right? So yeah, the whole summer's off and six hours a day is a fallacy. We don't work six hours and we don't, you know, six hours a day and we, and we truly don't get real summers off. That's, that's the biggest thing I would say is the biggest misconception. Um, I think, um, yeah, that's my biggest Some days off in the summer. Come on, y'all. My friends be taking vacations. Well-earned, well-earned, you know, but y'all be having some but y'all, 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 I get it. Y'all aren't. I, I would never disrespect a teacher. I got a, one friend who, uh, she's never really available on Sundays, uh, because she's always doing her, her lesson plan or, yep. you know, things like that. And it's mm-hmm. now she's she's losing time on her Sundays to get that right so that she's not Definitely. herself during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, Michelle, where can listeners find you online? So I am all over the place online. I am on Facebook at Just Like Me Presents. I am on Instagram at Just Like Me Presents. I have discovered TikTok. 
I am on TikTok at Just Like Me Presents. You, it you is my new TikTok obsession. Dancing? Man, I, I, it is, I, it's quite embarrassing, but I'm having a good time. Um, <laughs> you know, um, my, I also have a podcast as well. It's like I mentioned, it's on our website. The podcast is called Rewoke. Um, it's rewriting our kids' education. And my goal mm-hmm. is, it for, is for it to be a, a, a tool for parents to, uh, who need help or are struggling with reading, writing, math, social studies, science, um, you know, what, is, what does an IEP mean? How do I get one for my kid? Why, why is art so hard for my baby? Like, where are all the special what, education, you know? What is the IEP? Right? Like, well, all that stuff. <laughs> it, it's a, so it's a, it's a podcast, and every week we talk about a different aspect of education uh, and how we can rethink um, what we used to think about that aspect in education and how we can reframe it um, to reach our kids are, you know, and, and also make it culturally relevant for our kids. Um, so rethinking all aspects of education, I mean, and just not in school, what we eat, um, what we believe our spirituality, um, you know, what it means to be, um, a, a, a parent at home. How do you, how do you make that bridge, connect that bridge from school to home? So we do a lot of talking on the, on the podcast and the goal is to give, help to, to parents to help them navigate this very broken education system. I love it. You know, I was just thinking, well, not just thinking, I've always had this idea where, you know, it only works for uh, most of the states, not all the states, but any state that has a professional sports team mm-hmm. or even colleges, because they collect a lot of money. They but, do. And I know in South Carolina, let me give you a little background. South Carolina, they tax you on almost anything, right? I go to the bar now and I get my food and my drinks, whatever, and I get a ticket back. I got a, I'm charged for a credit card fee. I'm charged for an alcohol fee. And this is just taxes. Like mm-hmm. outside of, you know, I was like, man, I don't thought I was going to pay $10. I'm at like 20 something dollars, but it's, they should take like a 1% tax, I believe 1% to do it of all of those venues, of all of those athletes that get paid, you know, just take 1% away from them. You know, most of them won't notice 1% being taken. Obviously, you'd have to tell them, but, you know, they won't notice financially 1% is gone. And if you start doing that for every state and giving that money towards educational programs, mm-hmm. we'd see a significant difference, right? Because they say that the uh, I looked into the lottery system because the lottery, at least in South Carolina, goes towards education i'm like yeah, that's, one of the, that's that's a big lovely misconception yeah, that yeah, they yeah, do in a lot yeah. of states yeah i was like ain't no way they getting all this money from the lottery and it's going to these schools and this south carolina is historically placed in the lower 10 percent of not lower 10 percent the last lower 10 of all states all 50 states mm-hmm. uh 51 because they count dc in that too but and it's always in the top 10 always near the bottom it's like fourth fifth you know like third sometimes they'll get number one you know just it's almost like they strive to be the worst and so i looked into it and it they say the lottery money goes there it's such a small percentage of that lottery money that goes there it's like laughable so i think my idea sounds good for i like your idea we should advocate for that we should i need to call a a senator or something Mm -hmm. i know that's a senator oh i got some maryland connections but that won't help down here (laughs) yeah but michelle it's been a pleasure i don't want to take up too much of your time um i appreciate you i appreciate what you do also appreciate you for coming on here to the sarcasm remains, you know, I've, and I haven't been very sarcastic with you, which you haven't, <laughs> you're probably wondering like, wait, why, why is it called that? It's usually I'm sarcastic about everything, but you know, I think you had a, some messages that I wanted to get across to people. Um, and I th- yeah, it's going to be a run. Like you're the, 
second woman that I've had on my show. And I think I got two more. So it's about to be a run. I might do like a woman's week or something because it's literally going to be a run of women, you know, promoting what they do and helping people. Um, you know, I have all barriers. But anyway, thank you again. You've been an awesome person. I see you playing your name. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, sarcasm remains. This is Uzi B. We are going to get out of here. Uh, so you have any parting words for the people? You already told me they can find you, but I want to give them something good and gracious to live off of. Our, uh, my, my parting words that I always say um, whenever I'm doing my podcast and or when I'm giving tips is if our children can see it, they can achieve it. So just remember that and everything you do, if they can see it, they can achieve it. Word. I believe the children of the future. Whitney Houston. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we can get out of here. Uh, it is happy hour no matter what time it is. So make sure you get yourself to the bar and drink with me. Uh, we out of here. God bless. Good night. And y'all take care of each other. Peace.